Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by special guest speaker, Rick Casto. Praise the Lord, man. This is good. In all the years that I've known Joy and Daniel, I finally got to play some music with them for the first time. Isn't that, yeah, and it's not even my first instrument. You know, guitar is what I really play, but bass works too, amen. I don't care as long as we're praising Jesus. Amen? Two people said amen. I want to talk about forgiveness um, again. It's a great topic, but man, it's, it's something that we love to get, but we're terrible to give. Can I buy three amens? All right, there. Uh, how many, you could just stand up right now and say, yes, I'm the best forgiver there is. When I get wrong, the first inclination I have is to bless and give love and just shower Jesus' blessing. How many know that's probably not true? You know what I've learned over the years? The flesh is what shows up to the party first. Yep, that's true. So my ministry with Teen Challenge, or I should say Jesus' ministry, it's really not been mine. I've been with Teen Challenge for 23-something years, I think, and I've had the pleasure and the privilege to minister to a lot of men over the years. Uh, How many know that that God has a sense of humor? If you're not sure, just look at your husband or your wife. Couldn't even buy a laughter there. Uh, God has such a sense of humor for me. And, uh, and I love that he does that because I'm so hard-headed and I learn the hard way. I wish I could be one of those guys that reads the book and goes, oh my gosh, I should do that. I'm the guy that reads the book and goes, I wonder why you have to do that. Anybody else in here wired like that where y- your mom said, don't touch the stove, it's hot. And something inside you goes, must touch stove. I'm wired like that. I just, I'm wired to stick my nose in, and it's, it's been unfortunate. But God uh, has really used it over the years because I'll do things that a lot of folks won't. Uh, a lot of folks won't stay that long helping folks with addiction because it's rough. Um, you, you have to learn how to be a good forgiver when you're dealing with wounded folks, amen? A guy wrote a book about sheep. He said, sheep, it's good to be a shepherd, but most people don't know that sheep bite, Amen. And so I've learned that I have to be a good forgiver. But more than that, I need to learn how to uh, receive forgiveness as well. Amen. And with that, you know, I've shared my story many times uh, about my dad's uh, suicide. And, and maybe some of you have not heard that story, but I, I, I tell it matter-of-factly, I used to not be able to really communicate it because it was so hard. But my dad, he took his life. It was on my mom's birthday, and in his sick mind, he really thought he was giving my mom a present so she would not have to take care of him. It was really sad. And the unfortunate side effect of all that is that my daughter, she was about three and a half, almost four, uh, found my dad shot in the head. And it really did some stuff to my daughter, did stuff to me, did stuff to our family. Uh, It really was, um, it's just hard to communicate all the things that happened from that one incident, okay? You could probably use your imagination, but it did some damage, 
you know? And I remember in my heart saying, I will never let anyone get close to me like that again. I will never let someone have that kind of access to my life uh, out of self-preservation, folks. I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to love someone like I love my dad. It was one of those little inner vows we make, you know, that we think this, it sounds like wisdom at the time. Isn't that just like the, the devil to whisper a little bit of truth, you know, uh, in a lie? And here, here I am trying to understand and navigate life, and, and maybe it might have been different, church, had I thought my dad was a jerk or something, but I really loved my dad. You know, he was my hero. Uh, I really loved him. I wanted, you know, I was the firstborn out of five boys, man. I wanted to be just like my dad. So it was a crisis of identity as well. So when we talk about forgiveness, when we talk about DNA, when I say the word DNA, what, what comes to mind? Just, well, just shout it out if you got the courage. CSI, right? Or, you know, uh, investigation, crime. I don't know. We always think of, you know, DNA left at the scene of the crime, you know, because I, you know, my criminal background, I always think of, you know, there's something wrong with my head. But DNA is something that God gave us to pass on life, uh, God has made us to be uh, recreators, if you will, right? Amen? He's given us the ability to pass on life. And the DNA of forgiveness is love, right? I mean, when you look at love, and, and it's easy to talk about love, but man, love can be some of the most painful thing you've ever done. It can be the most frustrating thing you've ever done. It can be the most rewarding thing. It can be the most aggravating thing. And all the married people said, Amen. It can be one of the most difficult things to understand the DNA of forgiveness because let's, let's, let's think about it. Has anyone in here been forgiven much? I don't know about y'all, man, but I got a past. And I'm so glad that God forgave me, amen? I am so glad, but oh, man, I got to tell you, God has had to teach me how to forgive. You would think that it would be easy, second nature, for someone that has been forgiven so much to be able to just forgive as well. And see, I had no idea that I had held on to a lot of those bitter roots from my dad's suicide. So <clears throat> when we talk about DNA and the forgiveness, how many of you have heard that story about the... Um, in the Old Testament where Abraham uh, gets told he's going to have a, an heir. It's going to be like the, the sands of the sea, right? And then Abraham's like, okay, God, let me help you out, right? And then Sarah jumped in. She's like, you know, I'll help you out too. And then an Ishmael was born, right? Now, it's a funny thing when we talk about Ishmael. Has anyone in here ever had the child of promise? Right? Amen? You know what I'm talking about? It's like God's giving you a vision, but you're like, okay, God, let me help you out. I, I, let me, you know, I know you're up there, but I'm going to help you with this. And, uh, man, I have birthed a lot of Ishmael's in my life trying to do things on my own strength. Okay? So t this morning, I don't, or this afternoon, I don't want to do this on my own strength. I want to give you something that maybe will change and transform your life. Amen? Deep breath. Forgiveness gives freedom, amen? When, when you've been forgiven this great debt, how many of you guys felt like this great burden was just rolled off of you? I mean, I know I sure did. I was just like, man, this is amazing. 
But yet, when I think about uh, how Jesus put this and framed this in there, he would give us uh, things to um, think about, amen, to frame things. I've been in denial about my eyes. My wife brought them and I didn't use them, amen. So let me read this to you. It says, Jesus said this. He said, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. I just love some of this stuff. You know, like, lay it on me, bro. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And when he had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. So when we think about forgiveness... And we try to put this in the framework of earthly relationships. We have a very temporal sense of forgiveness, don't we? And yet, God's redemption of us was an overpayment. So it's hard to wrap your mind around it. It's like every sin that you're going to do before you came to Christ, right? And every sin after you know Christ. And everybody gets quiet. I'm a Christian. Yeah, that, that's relevant because we need Jesus, amen? I was telling the earlier service, like, it was easy for me to really grasp and think, yeah, man, I really need Jesus when I was strung out on drugs, when I was addicted, when I was a mess. It was really easy for me to go, I need Jesus. But, you know, after I got sober and I still had a lot of those behaviors and a lot of those hanging on things, I was like, wait, I need Jesus Still, I'm just as desperate for him now. Like, I'm sober and I'm a mess. I need Jesus, amen? <clears throat> so when we talk about forgiveness and we talk within the context of relationships, see, I thought I was a really good guy until I got married. <laughs> Two people laughed. That's terrible. That's terrible. I thought I was a really good dude. Then I got married. I'm like, wait, I am a terrible guy. My wife, uh, God bless her, man. She's really had to put up with a lot, but at least she got good looks, amen? (laughs) Uh, Marie, the greatest gift that Marie gave me is that she knows everything about me and she loves me all the more for it. The greatest gift that Marie's ever given me is that she loves me even though she knows me. Can I buy an amen, married fellas? Amen. And so, so for me, that was a picture of God's forgiveness and his love because my wife loves me. And I thought I loved her when we first got married, but now it's like, wow, she knows all the dirt. I really love you. Don't leave me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, do, I do that would get VJ. So we go back to this thing about relationships within context of DNA, and we're to multiply, who should be the best forgivers in the world? Us. The ones that have received this great redemption. And yet, how many times have we been stingy with God's grace? Or stingy with God's love? Or stingy with God's forgiveness? Especially when we've been wronged or hurt. We're like, yeah, God, I love you. I'm so thankful. But I really need you to hurt them. I want them. I want justice. I want what's fair. 
boy, this will get you. Have you ever thought about that statement? I want it to be fair. I mean, if you have kids, you, that's not fair. And you're like, yeah, life's not fair. <laughs> but yet, we're still, as adults, we still have that little sense of we want it to be fair. And I was sitting in a court one time, and this has um, been a few years now, and I owed the court system $10,000. How many know that's a couple of dollars, right? There was no way for me to pay it back. There was no way. And all I wanted was my license, right? And the judge has the power. You know what I'm saying? And so I went in, I had to file a motion just to go see the judge because it was all criminal stuff. You know, traffic, you know, I'd get, I'd get arrested, I'd get out of jail, I'd drive. The fictitious plates, you, you name it, I did it, Okay to the tune of almost 10 grand. So I'm, here I am in the courtroom, all right? I, and then the judge is like looking at me like, what are you, why are you here? It, how many know, it, it's kind of unsettling anyways to sit in front of the judge, especially when he's going, six months jail, one year jail. I was sitting there going, wow, this was a bad idea. This is a really bad idea. Because in my heart, I knew it was a possibility, you know? I knew it was a possibility. And, and the realization is, is that I was looking at all the stuff I owed, and I was looking at all the things I'd done. Hey, man, I did all those things. I wasn't going to get up in front of the judge and go, well, you see, put on my best poly razzmatazz as we do as Christians sometimes. Amen? You guys know where I'm driving the car right now, right? You're like... So I'm sitting in front of the judge. The judge goes, okay, what do you want? What are you doing? What? I mean, you filed a motion to see it. And then I just told him, have you ever just like started talking and telling on yourself and you're like, no. So I'm telling the judge, yeah, man, I was on drugs. And it, dude, it was like a holy hush hit that whole courtroom. It was like a bomb. I've been on drugs. It was like, I've been on drugs. It was like the loudest, you know, the judge like this. And I just told him, man, I just told it like it was. And, and I was out there, but I got sober. I gave my heart to Jesus at Teen Challenge. And funny enough, they want me to come work for them. I know that's crazy, right? I was like, you know, being me in front of the judge, I was like, well, yeah, I should probably reel that in a little bit. And he looked at me and he gave a smirk and, uh, I got through telling him all this stuff. He says, all right, Mr. Castro. I'm like, Castro, don't correct the judge. Have a seat. And so I'm sitting there, and the bailiff, not the bailiff, but the court, um, court, I forget what they call it. But anyways, they're going through my, my stuff, all my tickets and everything, and, and she's looking at the judge like, are you sure? I remember her saying that, and he's like, I'm absolutely sure. And and he calls me up. He says, okay, Mr. Castro, it's such a pleasure to hear the truth. And I was like, I'm going to jail. He goes, he goes, your debt has been forgiven. Go take this to the DMV and go get your license back. Now, for me, that was a big moment. Because, you know, it was $10,000. I did all those things. And see, if I got what was fair, I'd be in jail, right? So I don't, I don't say, God, I, want, I don't want to, I, I'm glad you're not fair. <laughs> don't, 
Don't be fair, God. I'm good with you not being fair right now. Praise God. I'm glad that you're not fair and you're calling all my junk into account right now because I want what was fair. You know, in relationships, we do that a lot to each other. We do these unspoken, I want what's fair. You were unfair to me. You know what, man? The most powerful thing I've learned in marriage is I was wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that and not qualify it with a bunch of stuff. Well, the reason why I did that, had you treated me better, I wouldn't have been a jerk. Have you ever heard yourself say stuff like that? You're like, you know, if you had done this differently, I could have been a man of God. (laughs) You know, it's tough being a preacher and being married, by the way. Because, you know, you'll go home and your wife will be like, how about that message you preached? Right after you blew it, you know what I mean? It's good. It's good. Amen. Jesus said this, but if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That is a tough saying, ladies and gentlemen. Clearly, God has this expectation that we have to forgive. So back with my dad's story, you know, his suicide did things to me where I, I said, I will never. Has anyone in here ever done that? I will never let someone do that to me again. And we basically take all of what God can do in our life and we put it within our hands. It's a bad place. I don't know if you know that or not, but you in control is bad. Amen? <laughs> you being in charge of your life, bad. Everybody say bad with me. All right, it's bad. It's not good. It's not good. And so, so when we do those things, when we say, ah, oh, you know, I'm never going to lie. So basically, this, let me give you a word picture. So this little bubble that I created to keep all the pain makers out of my life, guess what it also kept out? Love. The, the thing that I needed the most that little impenetrable barrier that I created where I said, I will never let another man get that close to me. I'll never let. Dude, it did things to me that had such a lasting impact. I can't even, I could write a book about it. Of all the missed opportunities that I had where God was bringing men into my life to disciple me and I would push them away. I would reject them before they had a chance to commit suicide. I would reject them before they had a chance to hurt me. I would put, I would abort the baby before it even got birth. And so for me, when I talk about forgiveness, I'm talking from a very deep place of understanding that, man, I had to forgive, and I did not know how to do it. We were, <clears throat> with my dad's suicide and all that, it did stuff to me, like I said, but I'm glad God's a few moves ahead of me. Amen? So uh, the unfortunate part of the story is that I'm working at Teen Challenge, and my fellow director at the Phoenix Center, his son, got into Teen Challenge. We had been praying for his son. He got into Teen Challenge. He got, he got, thank you, thank you. He got, he got uh, sober, but whatever happened, we still don't to this day will not know, but he ended up taking his life in the Teen Challenge. It was horrible. And then my executive director asked me to go and hang out with Jim, go see him, go reach out to him, 
And everything inside of me was like, no, we will not be doing that. You know, the woundedness in me, the hurt in me, the unforgiveness in me was saying, no, we shall not go to Jim's house. That represents a door we don't want to open. We've already locked that door, put bombs and booby traps. We are not going through that door. And, and, and I wrestled with it, Marie. She's like, I think we need to go. And so I just went. I just went and sat with him at his house. I, I didn't even know what to say. I just showed up. Turns out it was the most powerful thing you could do is just hang out with somebody. And so as we're going, he's making plans for the funeral. We go to the funeral, and his family, his boys, his, you know, his, his other boy, Jacob, and, and their family, they sing, How Great Is Our God at the Funeral. And church, I had the hardest time connecting the dots to that. How can you sing how great? Because you know where I was that day, right? Even though I was at Jimmy's funeral, I was at another funeral. I was having, it, I was having stuff come up. Like, no, we're not doing this. And I was pushing it down, pushing it down. Then we went to the graveside, and Jim has these balloons, and he's they've got these helium balloons, and the family, they say, we're going to release these balloons, and we're releasing Jimmy unto the Lord. We're releasing all, all the questions that we have. I mean, it just, it was amazing. It was amazing. And I, and the tears were coming, and I was like, get back in there. You're not allowed to come out. You know when you're stuffing things down? And God's like, yeah, I'm going to have to do something pretty drastic here. I'm going to have to poke a hole in the dam. Now, you know what? I think I'll just break the dam. And here I am trying to hold back these tears. And I'm like, where is this coming from? I didn't even really know Jimmy, you know? God's like, yeah, yeah, we're going here. And I I had the realization that I was in the same uh, graveyard that my dad was buried in. And I had never gone back. I told my mom, I'm never coming back here, blah, blah, blah. So I called my mom, hey, isn't dad buried here? And she was like, yes. I could could hear the bewilderment on my mom's voice. What are you doing? I'm like, well, I want to try and find dad's grave. And she's like, well, honey, it's over here. And my wife and I walked over to my dad's gravestone. And I looked down, and church, it was like it just happened. I bawled and bawled, and bawled, and cried, and I could not, there was not enough. I couldn't hold it back, and I realized Jehovah Sneaky was on the case, amen? Now, like I told the earlier service, I don't believe God willed any of that to happen to my friend Jim and his son. That's not even on the table, but I do know this, that God doesn't waste a thing, he doesn't waste a thing. It's not in his nature. He can't do it. He doesn't waste a moment. And he used that moment to reach a very wounded guy. I was so wounded. I didn't know how to say sorry. I didn't know how to say I was wrong. Uh, I know probably a couple of you in here have probably seen Happy Days at least once, maybe. You know, have you ever seen Fonzie when he, has, when he says he's wrong? He's like, he can't even get it out. That, that was me. I'm... I'm I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I blew it. I blew it. I blew it last week. I had to say I'm sorry to my daughter. I had to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I blew it. You know, that's such a powerful word to say when you're wrong and you've blown it and you look at your loved one, you look at your honey, you look at your husband and you say, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
Man, it does wonders. It's terrible for the pride, though. God, the pride can't stand it. That was supposed to be funny to break up that serious moment right there. So what holds us back? What holds us back, church? It is pride. A lot of times it's just stinky, oh, smelly pride that doesn't want to admit we're wrong. It's usually at the easiest, if you just peel everything back, it's just pride. Sometimes, in my case, you got the triple whammy. You got the pride, you got the hurt, and you got the unhealed wound. And I learned early on, you can't heal a devil and you can't cast out a wound. And boy, I was trying to cast out this wound for years. Amen? <laughs> it needed to be healed. It needed to be healed. It needed healing. It needed King Jesus to come in there and say, let me sit with you and grieve with you in this really uncomfortable moment. Man, I never felt so close to God than I did at that gravesite. I was like, man, God is right here. Oh, he's right here with me. And my wife was crying. I was crying. I'm like, you know, she didn't even, she didn't even get to meet my dad. You know, but there's a scripture in there that says, weep with those that weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Man, how many, how many have found it hard to weep with those that weep? We like the rejoicing part, though. Yeah, let me rejoice for you. Unless you're getting blessed more than me, then yeah. We laugh because we know it's true. Amen. Let me roll this back. So just as God met me in that moment, I have found many difficult moments because there's the moment of faith where I said, by faith, I forgive, and God, I need the grace to go through this. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this on my own. There's no way. There's no way I could have ever confronted that hurt alone. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. But at the same time, there's been moments where things have touched that area of my life where I have to revisit it and go, Oh, yeah. That's that wound. It's touching that area. You know, God is so cool how he weaves things together. Amen? Like, it's all connected. And you start realizing that your ability to love and forgive is connected to your ability to receive blessing from God. Amen? Your, your ability to, to give unconditionally is also connected to receiving. We, we, we know that from tithing, right? We give uh, because we're commanded to give, right? But how many have learned that once you get past that point, then you get to give? See, I get to give. I love giving. I'm very generous. I don't have a problem saying that. I am, amen? My wife's like, how much are you going to give him? We're giving him this much. How much are you going to tip him? We're tipping him that much. I just, I just feel like that's what God would do. You know, I don't think God would sit in a restaurant and order from you, and you come and you're the server, and then he sits there and pencils out the math, and like, okay, that was 18%. Here you go. Amen? God likes to give. So much so, he said that God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Gave his super best. Overpayment. Super over the just never could ever, ever, even in your best behavior, ever be able to earn what happened. Amen. And with that comes Dr. God. Dr. God likes to break out the dirtiest tool in the toolbox to come and do heart surgery. Have you ever noticed that? 
That God, when God wants to do something in your life, he picks the one person you can't stand. Can I buy three amens? Or he picks the one person that you have no use for, and that's the guy he's going to use in your life to till up the hard soil in your heart without your permission. Amen. And that's how God is with me. He doesn't, he's not looking for me to go, okay, God, you can do that now. I'm like, dude, you are not allowed to use that person. <laughs> can I tell you, we've had this conversation. And God's like, watch this. <laughs> and I've learned that the person that I think that I need the least is usually the one I need the most. Oh, man, you couldn't even shout that down. That was good preaching, Rick. But that wasn't for me. That was for somebody else. Usually the thing that irritates me the most, the thing that energizes me the most, that is the thing that God is over there with his little scalpel going, come here, son. Let's, let's get away. Let's get some of that uncircumcised heart away from that. Let's, let's have a heart of flesh. And I've learned that, man, he, that brought, I mean, it just grinds your teeth with the pride, uh, the hurt, the wounds. But then it always comes back to this for me about surrender, vulnerability, transparency, all those things that I'm really terrible at. God and his sense of humor, amen. I am from a household of all boys. I'm the oldest out of five boys, no sisters. We're all about a year and about eight, nine months apart. It was like a gladiator arena. Okay, it was a, dude, we just, if we weren't boxing, we were riding motorcycles. If we weren't riding motorcycles, we were playing football. It was just, that was the household. And much to my chagrin, all I have is girls. My DNA, girls. God, that's messed up. I don't even know how to do the girl thing. And that's what I have. Even at home, the dog is a girl. Boy, has he used the girls to soften me up. <laughs> Marie's back there going, yes. That's right. that's she goes, you're all boy. I'm like, yeah. yeah. God and his, his humor to keep me usable. So I don't, Pray, God, use me. I'm like, God, keep me usable. Keep me usable. Don't let me get too proud, too honorary, too smart. Amen. God, keep me usable. How does he do that? Man, that forgiveness thing is just so powerful. You could preach on it for months. The forgiveness that you received at the cross was just like the forgiveness I got at the judge. It was $10,000. It could have been $1,000. It could have been $100. I didn't have it. It was, a, it was a debt I couldn't pay. And the righteous judge has the ability to go, forgiven. Now, how many know that I walked out of there feeling a whole different level of God's favor? Amen. I walked out of there going, God is real. That just happened. Wow. And just like the reception that we have is maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, maybe it's all new, it's still, it's still that generous of an offer. Amen? Whether your greatest sin was eating a Twinkie at 2 a.m. in the morning or a donut at 
Awaken Life Church back there. Amen. And your wife catches you why, as you're stuffing the donut in your mouth. True story that happened. You still need Jesus. You still need his forgiveness. You still need his love. And because of that, God wants to give that DNA. He wants you to pass it on. He wants you to be an extravagant forgiver, an extravagant lover. Amen. An extravagant uh, image bearer. And I think it's amazing that we have been given the image of God. We are creating his image. And that same thing that transforms our heart and our hurt into a testimony, the same thing that turns uh, unforgiveness into forgiveness, the same thing that takes bitterness and turns it into a testimony, that same power, that same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave is in you. And guys would tell me at Teen Challenge, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've been through. You know how many times I've shared my story about my dad's suicide and how it damaged our family and all that and how I had to walk through forgiveness and how God brought me through that? You know how many times I've talked about that over the years? You know how many times God's used that very story to unlock prisoners from a cave, from a cage they didn't even know they had built? Because usually we're the ones sitting in the cage with the keys in our hand going, nope, I want this cage. I don't want the cage. Having been in a cage for a long time, I can tell you, cages are bad. We're meant to soar, amen? We're meant to soar. Praise the Lord. That's probably nothing what I preached like this morning, but I want to ask you this morning before I give this to Daniel, is there, someone, is there someone in your life that's been that hurt in your life? Anyone brave enough to raise their hand? Anyone ever had the unforgiveness thing just ding you and ding you and ding you? Amen, me too. And, and so here's what I want to do. I just want to pray for you guys corporately, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand this off to, to Pastor Daniel here in a second. But can I pray for you guys? Amen? Is that, is that a no? <laughs> I'm being honorary. Would you stand to your feet in the presence of the Lord and let me pray for you? Father, I thank you that uh, you hear us when we pray. Not but because of anything, but because of what you did on that cross that we can boldly come into your throne and ask for help, ask for forgiveness, ask for love, ask for healing. So God, I know there's folks sitting in here that need their heart healed. They need some healing, Jesus. King Jesus, I ask that you would pour out your blessing and your healing anointing over everybody in this congregation. I thank you, Lord, that you're able to hear us when we say, Father, forgive me. Father, forgive me. God is, simply says it in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, <laughs> that you will forgive us, that you will, you will erase all the unrighteousness in us. And so, God, I pray that for us. Uh, maybe where we've held bitterness, we've held resentment, we've held back, we've withheld love from someone that needs love. We've withheld forgiveness. We've withheld. God, help us to get out of that cage, unlock that door. I pray that this morning. And I know that you would do that, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you hear us when we pray, God. In Jesus' name, amen.